Let me read you a Bleacher Report headline, okay? Let, let me just read you a Bleacher Report headline. Knicks back out of meeting with Kawhi Leonard due to risk of losing other free agents. Who? Who the fuck did they lose? Everyone signed within the first 10 minutes that was worth signing. Are you fucking kidding me? Now, granted, there was probably no chance of them getting Kawhi, but the fact that they backed out of the meeting due to risk of signing other free agents, even if this is a fucking lie, and Kawhi never made a meeting with them, are you fucking kidding me that this comes out? Are you fucking kidding me? You back out of a Kawhi Leonard meeting, oh, to who, have a meeting with Kevin Durant? Well, guess what? You didn't have a fucking meeting with Kevin Durant because you were in fucking L.A. when he was in New York because you were worried about his medicals. You didn't have a meeting with Kyrie because you fucked that up way too long ago. Who were you going to meet with, Kemba Walker? He signed, he fucking agreed to a contract 10 days before it even started. Who were you going to fucking meet with? Is Michael Jordan coming out of retirement? Is fucking Bill Russell coming out of retirement and you need to get a meeting with him? Who are you fucking meeting with that is more important than meeting with Kawhi? You've got to be fucking kidding me. I'm about to drive off the goddamn road and you don't even pick up your phone to console me. What is COO? What is COO? Everybody, welcome back. It's sorry to interrupt. It's episode 101. Um, I hope everyone's doing well. It's all-star night in the MLB. More crazy NBA shit happened that everybody knows about, but I can't wait to talk about. Tom, how are you, sir? What's going on, man? My mood has lightened. I hope everybody enjoyed episode 100 at my expense. Probably took... I don't know, a year or two off my life. That was great podcast. you know what? It, it'll be year like 9091, hopefully. I got to quit smoking, drinking, doing all the other stuff I do. You but know who you root for, right? The Knicks? Yeah. Yeah, they've taken a good chunk, 10 years off my How life. How about your probably. Jets? That's another five. Okay. Because I wasn't as into football as I was. You want? Thank God you're years. a Yankee fan, man. Yeah, maybe they've added years. Yeah. Maybe it'll all end. Maybe it'll all work out. It'll all even out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, if the Knicks trade for Westbrook, my life will be really short. <laughs> I don't I'm think not that's... gonna mention the text I sent you earlier today because I don't want the feds at my door. Yeah. No. 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 We um we can't we can't disclose that man. That was that was pretty strong and uh, yeah you'd you'd be locked up easily. But yeah. um either way, I think we got to start off by talking about the biggest news of the weekend and. You know, last week we were talking about doing NBA. And Let me just start off by saying I'm, go for it. I'm an NBA. I mean, you're a little more locked in on baseball. I'm an NBA genius. I predicted KD to the Nets. You did. And Kawhi to the Clippers. No, you listen, I uh, I underestimated who would go with Kawhi to the Clippers. I don't think any – don't blame yourself. I, I just said Kawhi to the Clippers because I felt it deep in my yeah. heart. You know, I, I I I don't think anybody expected the Paul George thing. That's crazy. And, and just to look at Kawhi's career, going from 
I mean, think about him even a year ago. We, people are talking about, oh, I don't think the Sixers should do the deal for Kawhi because they're giving up too much. We don't know if he's he's still a superstar because he's got this phantom injury and, and the Celtics and whoever else was in on the deal. And he completely turns around his career, and now he's the most coveted guy in free agency. And he's also like a, a dark lord and, and just pulls strings in the back and gets Paul George within – a week span to request a trade, get the trade done. And the craziest part of it all is the fact that there wasn't a single peep, not one leak. I mean, come on in today's NBA, if Kyrie Irving sneezes, that's a story. And, and you know, he goes to chew and they're like, Oh my God, I think I heard him say nets. Like he's (laughs) going to the nets when he said, when he sneezed, you know what I mean? And everything's a story. For him to keep it so buttoned up is just incredible. It's crazy. You know, there's so many layers of this that we need to get into. And I think one of them absolutely has to be just how he manipulated this and what it says about a turnaround as just as far as a, how a superstar player is viewed in a year. Um, it can he bet take, on himself like it, multiple times. It can take that quick of an amount of time. But... Yeah, man. So I thought that he was going to be a Raptor just like KD was going to be a Nick. And But although I did have this feeling to compare him to was all year we heard Clippers, Clippers, Clippers. And all year for KD, we heard Knicks, Knicks, Knicks. So that's kind of why I felt about the Knicks. But I just felt like the Raptors winning changed it all. And, and then as you see these free agents go off the up. board, yeah. who who was going to go with them to L.A.? Yeah, and then this Lakers thing crops up out of the blue, which I love that he dragged them along because I hate the Lakers. And and then just kicks them to the dirt, and they end up with Rondo and Boogie and all these other – I mean, Boogie. KCP is back, man. Boogie, quite a fu- – yeah, KCP, what a, what a, what a fucking signing. Javel McGee's back as well. I don't know if we said that. Um, Boogie Cousins, we don't have to talk about him that long before we jump back into Kawhi, but what a fall from grace. Um, yeah. He w- there, were, there was a report that was going out that he might not even get a league minimum deal from anybody. Yeah, nobody wanted him. Um, I mean, that's tough. Uh, he'll never get a max, I don't think. No. Unless he, he goes off this year. I just don't know how he's going to do that with that team. I mean, he's yeah, he seems to be a guy that, you know, he bet on himself to turn his image around, right? And go to the Warriors and win and, and come back and have a limited role and kind of be the savior. And especially when KD went down, it seemed like he was going to be able to take his game to the next level. He was coming back off a quad, but it's like him going to a win now team. He just belongs. He if was he's coming gonna, back from an Achilles, bro. No, no, I'm saying he he when he got hurt in the oh, playoffs, yeah, it was his quad. So he um he really bet on himself and it and it didn't work. I don't think he's a guy that's cut for a winning team. He's the guy if he's going to be productive and put up boogie numbers, he's got to go to a horrible team, you know, like a Wizards or something like that. If he's going to just be an average to slightly below average player, can't believe I'm saying that. He's going to go to teams like the Lakers and the Warriors. Tough to see, definitely tough to see. One thing I want to clean up. I was listening to the pod um, a couple times. Uh, I was in love with my rant. That was all from the heart. There's few people that love their own voice more than you. Yeah, okay. Probably you. But, Probably. Um, That's why I said few. We said Rubio went to the Pacers, which I thought was a great deal for the Pacers. Actually went to the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> so enjoy that, Ricky. Enjoy being a lottery team this year. Um, but let's talk about Kawhi. Let's jump into the big things here. We're talking about little stuff. Um, so Kawhi and Paul George are going to the Clippers. 
This deal is massive. I think the Nets have a chance to finally steal New York from the Knicks. And I think the Clippers have a chance to steal L.A., moving into a new stadium where they don't have to deal with being the uh, the little brother. I think they're a few years away from that, right? Yeah, it's in Inglewood. Yeah. Is it? It's Inglewood. I think it's like 2021, 2022 it's supposed to open. 2022, 2023, something like that. They're going to be opening up a new building um, with with some pretty good players. Um, So let's talk about about the Kawhi deal. What, What did you think of it? I mean, obviously... It shook me not because of it because it, it wasn't really the Kawhi deal. Like that's what that's what made it crazy. Is if he had just gone to the Clippers, I'd be like, okay, he was rumored about it all year, and I was wrong again. But you know, it seemed like he wanted to give Toronto that final meeting, and that was really cool of him to do. The Raptors made sense only from the standpoint of two pronged one they just won a championship he's got an entire country that loves him and that team is still positioned in a wide open east to do some damage and with the clippers it's like you see all these you know all these guys come off the board and it's like well who who can he possibly bring with him he's not going to go to the clippers by himself especially after what he just had to do in Toronto, right i said on the pod it sounded like when we recorded last week the lakers were starting to gain some steam and I said he's as disappointed as I would be. I wouldn't blame him. He's killed two dynasties already on his own by himself as the best player on that team, the Spurs in 13, and obviously which has happened in, in Toronto. So I was like, ah, it sucks. I can't really shit on him for it. He's probably playing through this injury. Uh, so the Clippers, and then all of a sudden, not only is it the Clippers, but Paul George is coming. And I had to just do a quick double take and remember he wasn't a free agent because of how hap- how quickly it happened. And then you see the haul that the Clippers gave up for. And we'll touch on that in a minute. But yeah, my first reaction was not surprised it was the Clippers, but completely and utterly shocked of that it was him and Paul George as his, as his co-captain. Pretty much out of left field, and we heard that he contacted KD and Jimmy Butler, and they both said no. Kyrie, too. Well, Kyrie, we already pretty much knew was a net, but... And then he just figures out a way to steal a Paul George. Now, the haul they got was huge. Let's talk about Paul George a little bit. This guy, I'm a little bit worried about. He had uh, surgery on both shoulders. I don't know how good he's going to be at the beginning of the year, jump shot-wise. He's a really good scorer, great off the dribble, and... He's very athletic as well, and he's a great defender. But I think it's going to be a slow start. I, I don't think this team is a one seed by any means. There's there's a few reasons why I don't think they're a one seed. One, Kawhi's already won two championships. He doesn't give a shit about the regular season. And I think that the Clippers were probably like, hey, uh, you want to do the rest thing that you did in Toronto? I don't care if you play until game 81. I don't care. As long as we make the playoffs, he'll probably play 60, 65 games. PG probably will be, you know, on a minutes limit as well. He'll probably be play, probably be slowed down, and that team doesn't have too, too much aside from that. So that's why I think they're going to be closer to a three or a four seed, just because, and listen, I think they're a perennial top three favorite to win a championship. I just don't think that they're going to be gunning for the number one seed like the Trailblazers, like the Jazz, like the Nuggets, because I just don't think they have the firepower if they're going to rest their two big guys, and I frankly don't think they care. Yeah, so I I think you make a great point there, right? I mean, about just how 
how players of his stature and who have accomplished as much as he has, um, they're obviously going to pick and choose their times where they're going to play. And that load management, we hate to hear that term, but it, I, it obviously works. I mean, Toronto, they have the blueprint now for what to do, and Golden State kind of has the blueprint of what not to do, which is when you're when your players who are going deep and deep into the playoffs every single year, you can't play the regular season like that. You need them healthy. I mean, Thompson broke down, KD broke down because they've been playing so many extra basketball games. Obviously, LeBron, we saw the first crack in his armor this year going down with that groin injury and uh, subsequently ruining the Lakers' chances for a postseason berth. The other thing I will say, though, just to just to counter your statement, is you say there's not much else around them. I don't know about that. They re-signed Patrick Beverly. They still have Lou Williams, who's the sixth man and, and an elite scorer off the bench. You also have a Montrez Harrell. Uh, you have a Zubac. Um, they have a lot of pieces, and I think that they're going to be more than fine. I definitely agree, regardless of how it shakes out in the regular season, they're going to be fighting. They're going to be a top three team in the West when all is said and done. We'll talk about the rest of the Western Conference in a minute, but let's start just in the same building. How much better are they? to you than they are than the Lakers. Well when you talk about all the other auxiliary signings the Lakers have made. I think the Clippers, like you said, they still have a supporting cast and they have a much deeper team. Um I just think I think they're both deep. I just want to know how good that depth is for both sides. I think the Lakers are a five seed. I think the Clips are a four to a, th- a three to a four seed. If LeBron and Davis are healthy, you bring in a cousins you have an Avery Bradley. You have a Danny Green, who I thought was destined to go wherever Kawhi went. He ended up going to the Lakers. You have a Rondo. You have a Caldwell Pope. I mean, those names don't, you know, you still have Kuzma, obviously. Um, I don't know. I kind of like the Lakers supporting cast a little bit better, but defensively, you're not beating the. I, I feel like the Clippers are going to play, especially when all of them play and they're all healthy and they're all gunning for it. How is the team scoring? in the high 90s to 100s against this team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Beverly, Kawhi, and Paul George. You add in a Harrell. You have a Zubac. I mean, that's an incredibly good defensive team. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, I But this team, they also have a lot of offense as well. I mean, Kawhi clearly put on a show. It's just... My thing is regular season. I just don't think the Clippers are going to be concerned with it. I but think they're the going to. You be, still think even if they're not that concerned, they're going to finish ahead of the Lakers. Uh yeah, I do. Okay, I do. Because I think, I think if you're talking about all-time coast mode, it's LeBron. Don't you think this year though he's got something more to prove? Because I don't think that they can look Unless at... Unless LeBron's going to go all out for an MVP, he doesn't have anything left to prove in the regular season. You know, this guy wants a ring. No, but my my question is, is unlike when he was in Cleveland and he could just finish wherever he wanted in the East because there was no one in a seven-game series that posed much of a threat, do you really want to have to play Utah in Game 7 in Utah? Do you really want to have to play Denver Game 7 in Denver? Good point. That's Good kind point. of my question. Is, is And he took so much time off last year. Once he, came, once he came back from his groin injury, which lasted about a month and a half, might have even been longer than that, he comes back and then he realizes they're out of playoff contention and he decides that he's going to sit. Um, he got a lot of life back. This is the first time he didn't play in the playoffs in a long time. Anthony Davis played in 
half the games for New Orleans last year. Um, they didn't want to hurt him as an asset, and he wasn't going to risk his his big payday there. So those guys are going to be well-rested. And then you have a supporting cast of a Danny Green who adds a lot of help on defense as a th- and obviously his three-point shooting. You've got Rondo back. You've got Cousins, who's a injury concern, but I don't think they're going to rely that heavily on him. I think they have to gun for it. I think the Clippers are the ones who can kind of sit in the back seat. I think mm-hmm. the Lakers have to really go for it. I think Kawhi yeah, and Paul, me a little bit. Kawhi and Paul George can say, yeah, fine, we'll go play Utah in Utah in Game 7. We'll win. I'm fine with that. I don't think the Lakers at this stage of their career can. No, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, although LeBron, i take LeBron in any game seven unless he's playing I know, Jordan. I'm just saying it's but, a couple of years later and the talent and the competition he's playing against in said game seven is much better than game. it was. And he's, if you give me one game, I'm taking LeBron. I know. But let's talk about the trade. So looking at it from the Clippers standpoint, and then we'll talk about it from the OKC standpoint, which is going to lead us into a whole nother conversation that we'll have after that about the current state of the Thunder because there is a pretty good player have a lot to say, man. left on the Thunder. Um, from a Clippers standpoint, you're moving into the new stadium. Your little brother the entire time. We're going to talk about it in a second. They gave up Anthony Davis trade times two, honestly. They gave up an absolute haul of assets. But honestly, in my opinion, I think this is more defensible of a trade than the Anthony Davis trade. There's a few reasons for that. Number one, you're not getting Kawhi Leonard unless you get Paul George. That's that's one, two, ten, a million. I was just going to say, that's, one. that's obvious. So that in itself is a reason to do the trade. Number two, you're bidding against someone else. If you don't remember... The Lakers were bidding against themselves. David Griffin threw out probably, that was probably his, you know, when you're in negotiations, you throw out your top offer first and you work your way down to the middle. That's what everybody does. David Griffin threw out his first fucking offer. He was like, ah, they're going to talk me down off this a little bit. Maybe they'll take out Ingram. Maybe they'll take out Hart or Lonzo, whatever, or, or a couple picks. And they just fucking said yes. They were bidding against no one. There was not even a sniff of another, unless they had Kawhi Leonard being, every other team hired Kawhi Leonard to be their PR agent, which I find hard to believe, there wasn't even a sniff of another team bidding for him, and they and they bid against themselves, and I get it, they got Anthony Davis, but when you're bidding against yourself, come on, be a little bit smarter, you just mortgage your entire future for Anthony Davis, who when LeBron retires, maybe he leaves, I don't know. Yeah. No, I still think that the the Lakers gave up way too much. But Absolutely, but then you look at it from the Clippers side. It's still you're a desperation bidding. thing. They had to get him. You're bidding against whether it's true or not. The Clippers were in the impression they were bidding against Toronto, and this goes back to the original point of, I'll fucking give you uh, the what's his face, Steve Ballmer probably offered up all of his shares in Microsoft just to fucking get Paul George because he knew that's the only way he's getting Kawhi. So bottom line. I think it's a deal, as crazy as the amount is, it's a deal that had to be done for the Clippers, period. Yeah, dude, I, I, I can't I can't possibly go against anything you said because, listen, I, I think you can go even deeper into it, though. I mean, this is an organization that, much like the Knicks, I know that the Knicks are the A team in, in New York and the Clippers are the, B, are the B team in L.A., but I think the, the thing is, is you just go see the Lakers. The Lakers have been in shambles. And they're starting to show signs of maybe picking up some of that rubble with the Anthony Davis trade. And all you did this year, the last few years, 
was position yourself for this free agency and make yourself an attractive destination and put your and put yourself in the situation where you can go get a Kawhi Leonard and pair him with whomever else. I mean, all all season we heard, yeah, it's they're going to get two big guys. So as you start to see Katie and Kyrie to Brooklyn and you see Anthony Davis get traded and then you see Jimmy Butler go to the Heat and Harris stay, although I don't think they were interested in a reunion with him, but he stays with Philly. I mean, it's just Kemba goes to Boston. It's just one domino after another, and it's you're starting to get a sense if you're the Clippers of, oh, shit. I mean, if they didn't get anybody, I don't think I, I'm not trying to sound too dramatic. You might as well just pack up, abandon your plans for Inglewood, and go to Seattle because you can't you can't plan to overtake the Lakers, allow AD to get traded there, and then not do anything. I know assets are huge. I know draft picks and what they gave up was absurd. Shea Gildas Alexander is a incredibly talented young point guard in this league who's going to be good for a long time. But you just got this era's Jordan. You just got the dynasty slayer. And then on top of that, you bring in Paul George, who before his shoulder injuries, he was on he, 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 he was a top three MVP, MVP candidate. Yep. So. I cannot, I cannot stress Pardon this enough honest, for a culture standpoint and just from a branding standpoint. And that's what I said last week about the Nets. I won't say it again. You have to position yourself in this league and take risks when you're not the A-list team because it goes further beyond wins and losses, even if they don't win a title, even if Kawhi for some reason gets hurt and that quad injury is really bad and Paul George's shoulders don't come back from that and you see the draft picks that Oklahoma City got turn into their next dynasty. It doesn't matter. You shot your shot with the best, with two of the top three defensive players in this league, you know, two-way players, I should say, offense, defense, talent-wise, there, no one's going to criticize you. You had to make this deal. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, and another thing you said to compare them to the Brooklyn Nets, I, I'm starting to understand your point a little bit more of what's that? Not being a team that just sucks tanks like the Knicks, or I mean, the Lakers kind of lucked out because LeBron wanted to go there. But like the Lakers or like the Suns or whatever, when you're trying to become a destination, I mean, the Clippers and the Nets last year both made the playoffs. Both had great coaching staff, great GM, great training staff, up and down the line, and they became really appealing for free agents. And look who won free agency yeah. on both coasts. We're going to do a pod. The B team. We're going to do a pod you know, at some point and talk about the totality of these NBA players in this generation and what they're really looking for and what this free agency period showed us. But, you know, to keep it more central to this conversation, yeah, I mean, the Clippers, they not only didn't tank, but they tried to tank. They traded Tobias Harris. But look at the guys they get. They get a Landry Shamit. They bring, they get, you know, they take Zubach from the Lakers. I mean, they did everything right. And when you have Jerry West who I know is just a consultant, but you have Lawrence Frank, who's a very respected guy Former in the NBA. Yeah. Um, and Doc Rivers, of course. I mean, that, and you saw the tenacity in which they played at in the postseason. I mean, they pushed Golden State to six when they had no business being in those games. And a couple of those guys are back. Lou Williams, who won the sixth man of the year, he's back. Montrez Harrell one of the best defensive players in the league and is just nothing but energy all the time. And part of that culture is back. 
you have Patrick Beverly who's back and there's Damn it. yeah and and you talk about culture right you talk about what a team tries to convey and you look across the the country and you see that's what the Nets it's not just that the Nets had this fun season okay so Russell they lose but they have Lavert who people feel good about in the league and Jared Allen who people feel good about in the league and Dinwiddie who's the runner up for sixth man of the year still in the, on this team Kurox so both teams cultivated a sense of pride, a sense of hard work, tenacity, and they have a young core that these top free agents are just going to slide into and enhance with, like you said, great coaching staffs, great free, great uh, front offices, and owners that are willing to spend and are attractive. I mean, tanking and being a dumpster fire and having the league laugh at you all year is, is not a good sign for these free agents. So you're saying you, th- you find Steve Ballmer attractive? He's a very attractive businessman. Welcome on. The pod. <laughs> All right, let's go over the haul that Oklahoma City got. And I think this is a win-win situation for both teams. Oklahoma City Pressy was probably sitting there saying, I, I, I guess we're going to re-up. I don't have a choice, but I don't think we can win a title. Then he gets this Paul George asked for a trade. The Clippers slide in. Gets an absolute steal of a deal. So... The Oklahoma City Thunder side of this. Now, remember, the, the Clippers stockpiled a lot of draft picks between the trade they made with the Sixers and a few other deals that they made. They got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was, I, I think he was first-team all-rookie last year, if I were to guess. Really, really talented player. An expiring contract and a guy who can still ball in Danilo Gallinari. Another guy that you could probably trade for even more assets. I was assets just going to say, that's an attractive asset at the deadline. Four unprotected first-round Clipper picks. Now, again, you look back at the Brooklyn Nets, and they're the worst situation in this when you think, oh, we're going to be good. They'll probably be you know, 15 to 25 picks. But still, those are four picks that you can use as assets or actually make those picks. And who knows? The Clippers could suck. You, you don't know. um, Another uh, protected first-round Miami pick, I believe they have. Two pick swaps. That was the craziest part. The the pick swaps were crazy. So we're talking four, five, I think seven. seven, Six or seven picks to go with a guy who was drafted in the lottery last year and Danilo Gallinari. I mean, talk about hitting the reset button in a major way. And then they traded Jerry and Grant to um, the Denver Nuggets. So they're they're really trying to get under that luxury tax. And they have some good pieces to build around, whether it be draft picks or SGA. This was a typical move that an organization that has gone for it has seen varying levels of success in the postseason. What they have to do when they see the landscape of the league change. This uh, it's not a typical move though because when you lock up guys like PG and Westbrook like that, usually can't get out of it. Usually you're in purgatory. And in the NBA, any contract is tradable. No, any you're team, right. But usually, and, usually when you're stuck like that, you usually it end takes up being one desperate like team. Listen, who was more in purgatory than Boston in 2012-13? They had aging superstars. They didn't really have an out because they were not going to be bad enough where their first round picks mattered. And they found a team that was desperate to make something out of their team. 
and and contend in a conference that aside from the heat really was wide the fuck open i guess you could throw indiana in there too but it takes one team like that dude and we've seen it in the history of the nba time and time and time again and even though he signed the extension last year and he had the two years um or he didn't sign the extension, rather. He just re-upped as a free agent. But he had the two years playing along Russ and had varying levels of success. This is what a team who just hadn't been able to cross that finish line does. And they were tired of go- paying the luxury tax. They were one of the highest salary ta- or uh, you know tax people, it, teams in the league for years. Pretty, and funny, to- pretty funny how you trade James Harden to save money. Yeah, you spend more money than anybody else in the league. Yeah, well, I mean, they they took their shot, right? I mean, you you make the you trade Serge Ibaka, and you get an Oladipo back, and then you trade an Oladipo to get uh, to get Paul George, and and you re-sign him when everybody thought he was destined for L.A. and they made moves. They they just weren't able to crack that precipice and. You can't continue to try to run that. You see what the Lakers are doing. You see what Utah's done. You see Denver. I mean, even maybe to a lesser extent, Portland. Sacramento's on the come up. Golden State's still involved. This isn't a team that even if they get to the playoffs is going to win a lot of games. We'll see what New Orleans will be in a couple years. They're ready. They had to press the reset button, and they found a desperate team who was not going to get their superstar without this happening. And Sam Presti in Oklahoma City can now officially hit the reset button. And listen, their fans have no quarrels. They have nothing to complain about. They went for it for the last eight years, and it just didn't work out. So starting with this move, we'll talk about Westbrook in a minute. They just got the best haul for any one player that we've ever seen. And kudos to them. And we're going to start to see if they become the next dynasty. If those picks hit, regardless of where they are, if those picks hit, in addition to the picks that they'll have on their own, maybe get some assets with those picks, good young players who maybe teams fall out of love with. Man, we could be looking at Oklahoma City being kind of a mini dynasty, you know, without championships, but perennially in the hunt again in a few years. Absolutely. I mean, they're clearly a team that at at their core is very good at drafting. I mean, you can go up down the list from KD. Uh, I mean, that's a layup. Um, not for the Portland Trailblazers because they picked Greg Oden, but it's a layup for anybody pretty much. Although Greg Oden, he was just, if he played now, I think he'd be dominant because the training staffs are so much better. We have better injury treatment and everything like that. He learned how to shoot I don't a little think, bit more from deep. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think he, he was untalented. I just think he was kind of cursed. Neither was Sam Bowie. True. Um, I mean, after that, you go Harden, you go obviously Russ, Jeff Green, Ibaka, they they really can draft well, Stephen Adams. but So we're going to have to wait and see, but let's talk about the only superstar that Oklahoma City has left, the triple-double king, the, what is it, one-time MVP, two-time triple-double averager for a season, Russell Westbrook. It does not look like the Knicks are in on this deal. Thank God. They shouldn't be. No, absolutely not. You guys are trying to rebuild. But that's a very Nixie thing to do. Like, oh, here's your superstar. Has guys. been in the past, but I don't think for this regime. I hope not. So let's first thing I'm going to say, and I think you're going to agree with me on this. I think I think Russell Westbrook gets moved within the next month. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, the talks, I'm sure, have already started. Yep, his agent, according to Woj, he's already asked to play for a, basically to 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 quote it or whatever, um, a contender. Yeah, I mean, keep in mind, I think this is one of those situations where they'll do right by him, but they don't owe him anything. He doesn't have a no-trade clause. They'll find the best deal available for him. If you're hitting full reset, you can't feel you can't be sentimental. Um, I think that the clear cut, obvious example is Miami. Um, there's yeah, gonna be so, mutual interest there. So I put together, me and you both put together a few trades in the old ESPN NBA trade machine to see if they'll go through. So now the one that I've been hearing a lot from various various networks and whatnot is Kyle Lowry straight up for Russell Westbrook. That is an absolute no for me. Toronto just won a title. Masai Ujiri is a builder. He wants to blow it up, build it around Siakam, and start from scratch. Kyle Lowry's off the books next year. I don't think there's a chance in hell that he will take a Russell Westbrook to take on that contract to not win a title, although the East is pretty wide open. Thank you. That's what I was just going to say. I, I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't slam the door shut. No, I'll leave it open a crack. I'd say 2% Okay, chance. because here's the question. You've got a Van Fleet who was a very good complimentary point guard. Is he a is he a perennial all-star point guard? I don't know about that. I would no. say no. So then you're looking at a Siakam, who I really love and you really love, but... Are we sure that he's a building block? He's not a superstar. He's like Yeah, a- so there so there's my question is and then Gasol's off the books and you have an East that you're going to have Brooklyn when KD's back who you presume is going to be one of the top teams. You've still got Boston's great young core. You've got uh Philadelphia who if they just keep their shit together should be a great team. But I don't and Milwaukee, but we're going to see how much longer is Giannis there. I don't know, man. He's going to the Knicks, man. Twenty twenty two. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I I um I don't know if if you get now Westbrook's obviously an imperfect player. He's one of the least efficient player, the least efficient superstar that I can think of in this league. But he is a superstar nonetheless, whether we want to admit it or not. He's a superstar, and for a team that's old and has assets that are probably going by the wayside, do you really want to make Pascal Siakam, your number one player, and go into purgatory for a few years because I don't think even with Siakam and with Van Fleet and guys like that that they're going to be that bad that they're going to be a lottery team. I don't know, man. I mean, they I'm not just, saying it'll happen. I'm just saying I, this makes more sense than people. If want there's to believe. a team that can go into purgatory right now, aside from the Golden State Warriors, I think the Raptors are pretty good because they just won a title. Yeah, but if they have a chance to get a Russell Westbrook, they just immediately throw that out the window. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. You could be right. I just don't think Ujiri's the type of guy to throw. He He's just not. Westbrook is not the type of player that he goes after. You well, know? he doesn't have many guys that he can go acquire, and there's not a free agent class next year. And not to mention that when they were trying to make the Paul George deal, the hypothetical Toronto one, he wouldn't take back Russ, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. So, but let's talk about a few more. We'll just do three more realistic deals. I see you tucked the Hornets one in here. That was slick of you. I don't see that one happening. Um, but you know they did they just gotta lose put some Kemba. asses in the seats. Batum, Williams, and Kid Gilchrist for uh, Westbrook and Peterson. I don't see that one happening because Patterson. again, Patrick, Patrick Patter, Patterson, whatever. Yeah. 
He went to Kentucky. I can tell you that. Um, I don't see that one happening just because it's not that good of a trade package, and I just think if it's all even, they're going to let Westbrook go somewhere he actually wants. I don't know. I was just thinking the only reason I threw them in there was I'm thinking of teams that need point guards. I know they have Terry Rozier, but is he a guy that you look at and it's like, oh, yeah, no, No. they can't get a point guard because they have Terry Rozier? So, So here's my top three, and I think it's your top three as well. Number one... And I think they can figure out how to do it as a Miami Heat. Yes. Um, South Beach is cool. Jimmy Butler just got there. And I put together a trade, and you did as well. Russell Westbrook for Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow. Justice Winslow is a young guy. He's still pretty young. You can build around him. Dragic is an expiring contract. And that gets Russell Westbrook down to Miami. And... I think Miami's a perfect fit for him. They got a great training staff, an intense team with Jimmy Butler being on it and that coaching staff. And you know, Pat Riley doesn't fuck around. No. So I think that would be. Neither does Spolstra. Neither does Spo at all. I mean, obviously, he's he works for Pat Riley, so he must be a no bullshit kind of guy. I think that would be the perfect team for Westbrook just because of how intense that is down there. Well, and let's not forget about Jimmy Butler, not just on the court, but he's one of the few guys that would get in Russ's face. And I think Russ kind of needs that. I think if you're going to pair him with another superstar, he's got to go somewhere where he's not the alpha. I think the major part, and I'd love to get your take on this, I think one of the major parts that he steered people out of Oklahoma City and he got this, you know... I'm the number one, you're joining me, is I think in another situation, Paul George is the number one. Like, if he went to Indiana, Paul George is the number one. But You know what it is, though? He stayed. Paul, he was the one of the three that stayed and took the contract extension when everyone thought he was going to L.A. The other interesting thing is that, I mean, Kawhi's a killer, so we could have said Kawhi was passive before this season. Kawhi is a fucking, I don't think he has blood running through his veins. Paul George is like a passive kind of guy. Jimmy Butler is not a passive guy. But don't you think that he kind of was like that, though, because he went to join Russ? I think if Russ went to another team where he doesn't have the organization behind him, he's he's just another guy. I think that Westbrook and Butler would be really good together because they're both dogs. They play defense. Westbrook eh, sometimes plays defense. And they both want to – they'll fight somebody to win. They'll, They'll get in a fist fight out there. And they're both fashionistas. They, they're both big into the well, fashion. Well, there you go. So off the court as well, obviously Miami, you know. Yeah, I think top to bottom, that makes the most sense. Absolutely. So they'd have to move some things around, but they could figure out how to make that work. Another one we have is Minnesota. So I put together a trade package. I don't know if Oklahoma City would do it, not looking at this deal. Wiggins, Teague, and Trevion Graham for Russell Westbrook. Now... Jimmy Butler did not was not a fan of Carl Anthony Towns. Not that he wasn't talented, but that he didn't want it enough. I don't know how those two would mesh together, but you know, you would you really need a point guard, that'd be a fun pick and roll. I I don't I don't see the deal happening, but hey, they need a point guard and maybe they can coexist in Minnesota. Yeah, you mentioned Butler not loving Carl Anthony Towns. He's just a different he plays a different kind of position and style basketball than Westbrook does. So I, I don't know if maybe from a personality standpoint, that's it was what bothering, I was talking but about. Butler, Butler just didn't like him because he didn't think that he wanted it. Yeah. And it does take some superstars a little bit of time. Um, maybe cats maturation process will get him a little bit more intense. Uh, I'd like to see a full year out of him for sure. And I think that was Butler's point. Um, 
my question is, is if you're Oklahoma City, why do you want Wiggins? He's under yeah. contract for four more, four years, more years. And dude. listen, I don't think it's a change of scenery thing for him. I just think that this is who he is. Yeah. I and if think- you're trying to rebuild, you don't acquire an Andrew Wiggins who then you can't move. And I just, it's skilled as Alexander and him, basically. I know, I know he was the number one overall pick, but I just think that I think the entire league inc- really, really misjudged his ceiling as a player. I think they misjudged him as a person because he reminds me a lot of Cat in the sense of the talent's there. I just he doesn't seem like he wants to work at improving his game. What does he do when he takes all these oh, well, perimeter Kat's, jump Kat's shots? A thousand times better. No, no. But what I'm saying is, is he doesn't. He doesn't want to take these perim- – he only takes these perimeter jump shots. He doesn't seem like he move. wants to make himself better. Yeah. And that laziness was what really got to Butler. And Cat doesn't have it from the standpoint of he doesn't try to make himself better on the court. He just kind of takes plays off and games off. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on. This is my second favorite deal because you're already all in. The team's already all in. They're, they're in cap hell, so fuck it. I have the Detroit Pistons. They would trade – Reggie Jackson, back to the Thunder. Hilarious. Tony Snell and former Nick Great, Langston Galloway, <laughs> for Russell Westbrook. Those are all. Those deals are all under three years, so the Oklahoma City Thunder are getting under that luxury tax and getting rid of that cap space to do a full-on rebuild. And Westbrook, Blake, and your boy, UConn Pride, Andre Drummond, that'd be an interesting team. It would be an interesting team. Um, I think they make a lot of sense because they don't have a real point guard. And again, they were the eight seed last year and they are all in. I mean, they've shown that they were willing to take the gamble on. And I talk about no player is untradeable. I mean, the Clippers give Blake the five-year max and then within the first year they trade him. Yeah. Because Detroit wanted another superstar bad enough. I don't see him making them like a top three seed, but he probably makes them top five in the East is yeah. A five or six and maybe threaten a playoff round. That would be an interesting team, but because they are all in and because they have to like, what are you going to do? Tell your fans like, yeah, we're just going to roll with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond the rest of the time. Like Luke Kennard, like you can't do that. So yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to do something to make yourself a lot better, which they didn't do in free agency. And this is kind of your chance. I don't think that the Pistons fans, and I don't think that the anyone around the league would look at that and be like, wow, that's really stupid. If you're already, well, ha- if you're already fan, in, I would. it'd be really stupid if the Knicks did it. Is what no, I'm no, saying. no. I'm saying from a Pistons oh, standpoint only. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because on, the Knicks are the only team – that and I and the only reason that's been getting floated out there is because it's what an old Knicks would do. But the reason I put like a team like Charlotte in there is I know they got Rozier, but they got to put asses in the seats. They lost Kemba. Find a way to get a deal done and bring in a Russell Westbrook that at least is going to make you fun and exciting I because they that. don't have anybody else uh, that that is fun and exciting. Um, as far as the Knicks, listen, their blueprint's already stamped. They're going to go with their young talent and they're going to use all these veterans as ancillary pieces to maybe change the culture, maybe make them a fringe playoff team or nothing less. Just get out of being a shit show. Why would you bring in a Russell Westbrook to stunt the growth of a 
uh, of a Kevin Knox and an R.J. Barrett and Agreed. a Mitchell. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense for well, them to do the that. sometimes don't even. No, I know. But I, I just, I of all the other teams that we've just talked about, to varying degrees, right? I mean, Miami, we were in consensus on that's the best fit, especially for them just getting Butler. You look at Toronto, there's a chance because if they're not going to... There's a difference between rebuilding when you have nothing and you're going to have a bunch of lottery picks and rebuilding when you have some talent and being a constant, you know, like a Hornets where you're always nine... When you're like 10, nine, and eight. And that's kind of where they would be if if they don't if, if they don't do anything. All right, so so I don't know. We you and I can both agree that, J, that Jimmy Butler. You and I can both agree that Russ will be traded before the start of the season, right? Yes. Go to your head. Where do you think he goes? Miami. Same here. And I, I've got my finger on the pulse because I've been right most of the time lately. You so. have been. I think he goes to Miami as well. That's just such a Miami move, and they'll figure out a way to get his ass down there. Enjoy Miami a little bit better than Oklahoma City. No offense if we have any listeners out there. I'm sure all you guys would love to go to Miami as well. Hey, listen, uh, as a destination, absolutely. But I'm going to just say this one thing about Westbrook before we leave this topic. For a long time, I was a Westbrook defender. You've kind of changed my mind on that. Frenchie's changed my mind on that. He hates him. And listen, I... I've eaten some crow and I've admitted I've been wrong, but we did both agree on this podcast back in February that he did a better job with Paul George. He helped Paul George become a top three player. He did start to defer a little bit. He did start to kind of, you know, let the reins go until George was hurt and he had to come back and go full Westbrook. I think if he was on a different team where the franchise didn't feel completely dedicated to him and vice versa and he doesn't have a history with that organization and he's joining another player elsewhere I think that there's a chance that we could see a different Russell Westbrook I wouldn't bank on it but I also don't think we can completely throw that out the window he's getting older now he realizes that he's the one superstar that hasn't hasn't quite done it he'd been to the finals once but that was when he had Harden and Durant with him He's tried to be the man. He's brought in second tier or second guys that were supposed to be, you know, his co-captain, and it didn't work out. Um, I would be fascinated. I think that with all the incredible storylines going on, I think that him, especially if he joined Miami with Butler, do we see a different Westbrook? I think that would be one of the cool storylines of the season. Gotta love the NBA, man. Talk about a three-six-five sport. It's it's taken over football. I was just going to say, I think it is more than football because football, I mean, you have your dead months from have like... Have you heard anything about football? No, Not really. because June... And the other problem with football is, training I hate is. to say it, if something comes up in the off season, it's, it's never usually, good. I, I hate to say it, domestic violence and rest, this, that, and the third. I mean, come on. People hated Kawhi because he forced his way out. People hated it. It's not like Kawhi's in the news because he he fought somebody at the mall you know or what? something. And that's a great point. So that's what I wanted to say one more one more thing. And I think you and I could talk about this for a couple. So Kawhi flipped the narrative in one year. Better than like anybody I can think of. Except, you know, obviously praise be Aegon. Obviously. And A-Rod was a year, but there was still death. It took time. Yeah. But A-Rod also but, had a lot more to make up for. You know, people were talking about People like Kyrie and KD, right? How, you know, it's like, why would anybody want them? 
for their reasons. You know, Kyrie is just a, a pain in the ass, and, and fan bases are right? saying, and we don't face, want anything like him. Let's face facts here. I mean, people do not complain about the fact that Kareem Hunt is on videotape kicking a woman multiple times, and then and then he gets signed, and it's just like a it's like another drop in the bucket. Look the other way. People are bitching about Kyrie because he's he's moody. Yeah, I mean, his worst his worst thing is that he puts out cryptic, weird Instagram posts and tweets. Okay, what did he? Did he beat someone up? No. And it's like the end of the fucking world. I don't get it. No. I mean, you took it to a little bit different area that I thought you were going to. I was really just talking about these players in the NBA of just how we think about them in a year. Because last year, I know I said it, and I don't apologize for it. Kawhi quit on the most stable organization that we've known in basketball in the last 20 years. He absolutely did. I was taking it to more of a of a real extent yeah. here. No, I get you. Where it's just bullshit that the fans are just completely bitching about the dumbest things ever. Like, these dudes just want to play basketball and fucking live in Brooklyn. Like, as mad as I am at KD, you're still welcome on the pod. It's fucking KD. Um, I mean, the worst thing this guy did was have a fucking burner account. And then... He's, he's sensitive. Greg Hardy fucking makes like two or three different teams and now he's in the MMA and people don't even complain. They don't even bat an eye. Well, I think that's more the culture of the NFL and that kind of culture doesn't exist in the NBA because those players don't do that and they wouldn't be allowed to play in the NBA because that's just how the league is. But to narrow it back down to just how we look at these players in a year, you know, who's more... What fan base hates anybody more in the NBA right now than Boston hates Kyrie? I mean, they all think that he completely, you know, sabotaged that team and he was the reason why that great young core didn't take the next step. And listen, anybody who was watching knows that he he didn't quit, but he was not all in. And he was he was just a very temperamental and enigmatic uh, kind of guy. Quit, in game five he did. Yeah. Up yeah. to then it was just he had he went through his lulls. I mean, he had times where he was the best player on either team when he was playing in Boston, and he was all about playing in the Garden and winning. And then it was, nah, I don't really like these guys. I don't feel like being a leader anymore. Well, now, if he goes out and propels the Knicks, I mean, excuse me, then I wish he can propels the Nets to a championship. Well, that and that's kind of what I'm turns saying. Turns around, is man. Everybody, everybody's so quick to judge players in this league, and. Yeah, would we like them all by their sixth, seventh year in the league to be a little bit more together and be better teammates and leaders, especially when they're to that talent level of a Kyrie and a Kawhi? But listen, Kawhi executed his game plan and got what he wanted. And I never in a million years would have dreamt he would have taken the Toronto Raptors to a championship. But Messiah Jerry bet on the fact that in a contract year and he was well-rested and you know what, if he's hurt... No one can blame me for going out and getting an already proven NBA Finals MVP. And I look at Kyrie. I Obviously, this is a lot of wishful thinking, but just using the Kawhi parallel, what if he just wanted to be in New York and in Brooklyn and was saying, fuck it, I don't feel like being in Boston, and I don't care how good you guys say this franchise is, I don't want to be here. These guys are not as great as you think. And I'm just going to go play somewhere where I'm happy and leave me alone. And if he takes them to that next level, 
in a year from now, we can be talking about, I don't think they'll win a title, but you'll be talking about how Kyrie Irving is now this incredible teammate and Ky- and Katie's coming back. You never know. Absolutely, man. And in an instant world, which is what we live in now with our cell phones and all this other shit, the NBA is the most instant league. I mean, why don't you go back and listen to a pod from three months ago that we were talking about? I was probably raving about the Houston Rockets, and then 10 minutes later, they lose in five games, and Chris Paul and James Harden want to kill each other. Like, it's the most instant league. People make up their minds in two seconds and then change their opinions and whatever more than any other league, so... Listen, I think Kyrie can write his own narrative, and I'll tell you what, I'm probably already banned from the Garden if if Dolan has wind of this. Dolan, fuck you. I'm still not happy with you. Sell the goddamn team and go play with your jazz band. But I'm not becoming a Nets fan, but I'm thinking maybe Brooklyn Nets season tickets this year for the Sorry Sports. Oh, my God, dude. Well, we're going to have to hit the big time because what they've done with their ticket sales in the last week in the have last you taken week a look? Maybe just like a Sunday package. I'll, I'll sit in the cheap seats. Yeah, I probably would, too. So I, we fun. might have to, you know, maybe do a meetup with somebody. We'll, we'll talk we'll about it. We've got plenty of time. Meeting. It's, it's July. Um, hope everybody had a good fourth. But why don't we move on and uh, talk a little baseball? I think we could do that. So did you catch the Home Run Derby last night? We talked about this a little before we got on the mic. That was one of the most fun derbies and most fun baseball events, not counting postseason, that I can remember in a long time. Absolutely, man. And I was telling you, I was flipping back and forth between that and MLB Network, and they were talking about a home run derby where the total was like four home runs for the winner. I mean... And that whole Verlander thing about the balls being juiced, I don't know how true it is we'll with get the to launch that angle and all that other shit. They should juice the balls in the home run derby, and I hope they did because I was really entertained watching that thing. That's what you want. You want to go out and see Vladimir Guerrero hit Jr. hit damn near 100 home runs. He looked a lot like his it's dad, called, right? Yeah, he did. It's called the fucking home run derby. It's in the title. I don't want to go... And, and watch guys hit two home runs. I don't want to watch Mark Teixeira hit two home runs and be out. I think that the MLB has done a reverse NBA with the dunk contest and completely turned this event around with the time limit because it gives the hitters more time to get their swing going as opposed to in their back of their mind saying, oh, I only got two swings, two, uh, two outs left or whatever. The timeouts, the rounds, the fact that if you hit a fucking ball over 460 feet, you get an extra 30 seconds. Everything is incorporated for more home runs, more entertainment, and this event didn't even really matter. And how much drama was that with the Jock Peterson versus Vlad Guerrero Jr. double swing off? That was so much fun. It was awesome. I mean, they went through years of trying to correct and alter the format for this thing. And they finally hit it right. And, and you said the reverse NBA. They should keep it just like this. Don't change a thing. I agree. And, you know, you talk about it being the reverse NBA dunk contest. I think the other thing that helps is you have they, stars. The, well, they—it's not just stars. I mean, they have the young, up-and-coming guys, and we're at a point in baseball where the top prospects coming up are just captivating as all hell. I mean, to have Vlad Jr., to have Pete Alonso, to have Acuna. Ronald Acuna. I mean, it's fucking awesome. I mean, Matt Chapman, Jock Peterson's been in the league for a while, but, you know, he's still a fun young guy to go do this. And the difference, too, is in basketball, you don't do these dunks in a game, all right? Like, 
there's no incentive for players to try to risk hurting themselves to do this in a game. In baseball, this is literally just batting practice. These guys do this every day, maybe to not that level of intensity, but they do it every day. They're trying to hit bombs. They're working on their launch angle. They're working on their exit velo. And you don't need a trout. You don't need uh, even a judge again to do it or a Stanton to do it again or a Harper to do it again. You're going to have Vlad Jr. You're going to have Acuna. You're going to have Alonzo. And whoever's you coming up you, next year. Yeah, I was just going to say, I guarantee you whoever's coming up next year and the year after that because the, the minor leagues are littered with these kind of players who are coming up in condition to hit the ball 500 feet in batting practice. I don't care about the juice balls in, in, in batting practice and in the home run derby. That doesn't matter to me. What is interesting, though, is this whole Verlander calling out Manfred. And I'm going to say this. I don't know how true it is. We have seen an incredible spike in home runs, but we've seen that in different times in baseball's history. I mean, Babe Ruth hit more home runs than certain teams back in the 20s. Uh, and when he started getting going, we obviously had the surge of the PEDs when the ball was flying out like crazy. Home runs are fun and exciting. I do believe that Verlander has a little something to say, and like he has some validity behind it. This guy has thrown a billion pitches in his life. He knows the difference, and he's not the only pitcher to say it. Um, it it's if it is the fact that they are doctoring the baseballs and they're making it the seams tighter and they're and they're making it a little bit easier to hit out then we're just going to have to have this as a different era, and I don't know how different that is than PEDs. I think the only difference is, is that now everybody gets is on the same playing field as opposed yep. to the majority of people taking PEDs, maybe sort of, kind of. Absolutely. And the other thing, I think it has, listen, the balls might be juiced. I mean, the, the, the amount of home runs these guys are hitting is absolutely insane. But I think, it, I think it's more an attribution to, one, the fact that from an extremely young age, these guys are just taught to slip a disc, launch angle, hit home runs, where the guys, the older guys in the league, like pool hosts and, and those kind of older regime, it's like, they're like DJ LeMahieu, where it's few and far Who between. has 12 home runs already. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, the guy, when he runs, he's got such a great swing to all fields. When he runs into one, it's going to go out, but they're hitting the ball where it's thrown, all that stuff. I think it has to do with that. And I also think, obviously, it's the analytics of baseball. I mean, a guy like a Tony Womack, or, or if you will. There's or, a throwback. Yeah, big-time throwback. Or, or somebody like a Kenny Lofton, whatever, that's going to slap the ball around. He's probably not going to be in the league. You know what I mean? That's a good point. There's there are few and far few between them, now. But I mean, you see a guy Your Juan Pierre's of the world. Juan Pierre. I mean, you see a guy like I can't even think of a guy. I mean, even the guy uh, Dyson that plays for the Royals can go yard every once in a while, mm-hmm. or he played for the Royals. I don't know what team he's on D-backs now. now, but yeah. Um, I mean, I just think that with the analytics, where it's strikeout or home run, that's all we want. And there's no there's no base running anymore. There's no bunts. You don't see any of that shit. I mean, I think that and the fact that the hitters are, are much more conditioned from a young age with their swing, with their natural swing to loft the ball has a lot more to do with it. Yeah, and, and that's a great point. And I don't think it's even just in on the hitters. They could be juiced. I, I, I could be wrong on this, but I think that... Even with the I think it's being, all of it. I, I think, think it's even all of with it. the balls being juiced, like if you're putting a law, if you're hitting, the, having a launch angle like that to put the ball in the air, I don't give a fuck. If you go back to 1980 and you juice the balls, 
a line drive is a line drive, bro. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's still only going to go to right over the pitcher's head. Well, you know I think what I'm saying? these guys like, hit line drives because of the exit velo is they say if the harder you hit a ball in the air, regardless of what the launch angle is, the the better the chance it, it has to go out. On top of that, look at the stadiums now all around the league. They're the majority of them are band boxes. And I think the other thing is not just the hitter, dude. It's the pitchers. These pitchers are conditioned to throw 100 miles per hour. If you turn around and center a 100-mile-per-hour fastball it's gonna go out with those launch angles and everything else, the ball's going out. You're not centering up these little, you know, you're not getting those finesse pitchers anymore. Okay, you're getting yeah, guys coming throwback. in throwing upper 90s. Jamie Moyer is not in the league. You know what I mean? Throwing 82. Yeah. And Those balls are hard to. I mean, even you look at Jason Vargas, the guy tops out at like eighty six. It's hard to turn that thing around. Yep. As opposed to a hundred, where you flick your wrist, and, especially and with the velocity in which these guys swing. Yep. Absolutely. So, I think it's just a different era of baseball, and pitchers are going to have to make adjustments. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe try and take advantage of those tighter seams. Maybe not create a different pitch, but change the way you throw the pitch. These guys have always in the course of baseball found ways to change things up and the game just gets regulated based off of what the players want to do. Yeah. We've seen I mean, it. They lowered the mound. 150 years of this. Yep. It's gone through different eras. It'll go through another one. I don't think this is some kind of crazy mad scientist concoction that Manfred told Rawlings to do to up home runs. I think that's, it's, I think it's all of it. I think every single aspect of it has to be put into play. And when you put all those ingredients together, you get a fuck ton of home runs. Yep. I It is crazy the amount of home runs. Because thinking back to when you were a kid, you would go to a game and you're you're like, damn, I, I really, I hope there's a home run tonight. And there would be a lot of games that I went to where there wouldn't be. And now I would leave and I'd be like, shit, nobody hit a home run today. It's like the complete opposite end of the spectrum. The Yankees have had one game this year in the last since April that they did not hit a home run and they scored six runs in that game. And I think they hit like five doubles. So it's, and it's not just the Yankees. It's all these teams, all these teams do it. They're all finding the guys, these power hitters. Uh, It's exciting. And listen, the home run is one of those things where it's kind of part of American lore. It started with Babe Ruth. It's, something that captivates the eyes of every fan at the stadium. When you hear the crack of the bat and that ball's traveling it, there's something cool about it. There's something nostalgic about it. There's something memorable about it. No matter how many times it happens, it's a cool thing. I don't think we're ever watching a game where it's like, please, for the love of God, move the runner over. It's, do you want that sometimes just based off the situation? Sure. But if the ball goes out, you're never going to complain. So of course. It's that's as easy. Board. That's as easy as it goes. It's yep. like in basketball when they made the three point, and Steph Curry is now revolutionized that style of game where it's dribble, dribble, shoot, and transition. And people are bitching about that too. Yeah, and you yeah. know what? It's analytics. Who's the most forefront team as far as NBA analytics? Every the Golden State Warriors, sport, aside from maybe soccer. Shout out to the U.S. Women's National Team. That Absolutely, our talking soccer. Good for them. Congrats. Not anti them. Just we don't know soccer. We're not going to talk about it. I'm not going to talk like I know. But every single sport, you look at football. I mean, come on. Did you watch the Rams versus the the Kansas City Chiefs? 
uh, once the West Coast offense was invented, I mean, there was more passing, all that shit. Now, that Basketball. is a little different, though, because they have made the rules a lot less conducive to defense. But you know what? And what you're allowed to do. But you know what? They've done that in every sport, bro. We just said that. You look at basketball. You can't hand check a guy anymore. So That's it becomes a, a more offensive game. That's a good point. Um, the charge, the the circle got, got shrunk a little bit smaller. So there's a lot of things in each sport where people want more offense. Baseball, the same thing. They lowered the pitcher's mound back after um, what's 69. After Gibson had Gibson, yep. the most insane year ever. Yeah, yeah they, they lowered the pitcher's mound. They they do all these things to in, they invent a DH to increase offense. People just like fucking offense. That's, and yet the National League still has the pitcher hit. And, uh, well, yeah, that's that's embarrassing. But And I don't know if it's just people. I just think it's Americans in general. We're just not patient. Because yeah, if you I mean, look, soccer hasn't changed at all. No. And people can watch a... a People can you can watch a soccer game and it can end in a draw, and yeah, it was really intense. But you look at it from an American's perspective, and I'm like, a tie's like kissing your fucking sister. Like, it, it sucks. Like, I want to see some scoring here. You know what I mean? Imagine America invented soccer. It, it would be like fucking handball. It would be well, especially now. Yeah, absolutely. So. Again, you look at baseball, it's becoming a more offensive game. Verlander, make some adjustments. You still throw 100 at, at 12 years, 15 years in the league. That's a little fishy itself. Welcome on the pod, though, if he wants to explain. I love himself. Verlander. I do, too, as well. Um, just but, again, just not when he pitches against the Yankees. No, of course not. All right, so let's talk about the first half. So the Yankees are two games up in... Um, in the American League East. Six and a half up, my man. I don't know where you're getting two from. Sorry, I uh, I can't read that far. I guess I need glasses. Maybe That's if, embarrassing. Maybe if, you know, um, a company wants to sponsor us, we'll, I'll take some free reading glasses. There you go. Um, shout out to Warby Parker or something. <laughs> um, all right, so the Yankees are six and a half games up. I'm definitely happy with that. Remember when we were pushing the panic button like week two? Yeah. Smashing it, actually. Smashing it, yep. Um, and we were buttons. kind of right to, I mean, the lineup that they were trekking out there, did we ever think they would be doing this? No, not at all. But listen, the the big bats are coming back. so Most of them already are. And listen, let, I'm happy with their first half. I'm also happy that the Red Sox are sucking. Um, but listen, Tampa Bay's for real. They're not going anywhere. And the Yankees need a starter. So let's talk a little trade deadline. I don't want Bumgarner, but it seems like they're in on the deal. They're in on everybody, and this is the time of year. We are three weeks away from the trade deadline. So any pitcher that's available, you're going to hear these teams mentioned. The Twins, the Yankees, the Astros. The Red Sox. The Red Sox and the Braves, and maybe some others in there too. The Brewers, absolutely the Brewers. So... A couple of these names we're talking about is about Bumgarner. He's been the name that we've been talking about for a couple of years now, not just in regards to the Yankees, but overall. He's getting dealt. It's just a matter of who's ready to pay the ultimate price. And we've set our piece on him. We don't need to go any further into it. You're taking a gamble. Is he gonna, Has he regressed to the point of, okay, you're not going to get him back and you just gave up a, a good amount of assets for a guy who's kind of a third or fourth starter? Or is he 2019's version of Verlander, who leaves a shitty team, isn't pitching great, 
comes over so. and is now back to being a, a postseason dominant. He's ace. not Verlander because if you watch those games, Verlander was still touching 96, 97 and still had some nasty stuff. Bumgarner is just a diminished player. You know what I mean? Again, it's gonna. That's what teams are looking at, though, and they're they have their analytics right, departments so, looking at him and saying, "Can we get this guy to be what he was even three years ago?" So the All Star game's going on right now. I'm gonna pull out that gun, that hypothetical gun that I pulled out earlier, and I'm gonna put it to your head again. You want what me if, off of this, don't you? Yes, yes. What What do the Yankees wow. do? Gun to your head. And what pitcher do they get, if any? I think they get two. Okay, go for it. Um. I think they're getting Stroman. Yes. It makes sense. That's my um, guy. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's Mad Bum or Bauer. I hope it's Bauer. I like Bauer a lot more than Mad Bum. He has not been great this year, man. But You know, there's a lot. There was a story today on Bleacher Report that was very good. Remember picked him to be Cy Young? Yeah, I, I, I was wrong. And, and he's... So was I. He's an interesting guy. Um, he's a weird guy. Um, kind of alienates teammates. Is kind of a mad scientist. Like is crazy into analytics, crazy into just developing new pitches. And he, he's had some very good postseason success. He's also had some bad ones. The thing that scares me about him, and this was a great analogy by the article on uh, Bleach Greg Report. Greg Maddox was crazy too. Yeah. Greg Maddox was also 10 times the pitcher that Bauer is. But True. the Indians seem poised and primed to move him. And do you remember who was primed and poised to move another former really good young pitcher who still had top-tier stuff last year? That was the Tampa Bay Rays with Chris Archer. Wasn't having a great year, but he had enough equity in the bank where the Pirates were hovering around a wild-card spot and were willing to go out and make that move. I always get nervous when teams of the Indians ilk and the Rays ilk are ready to move off of a good young pitcher this desperately. They don't have to trade him, and they could wait. Chris Archer is pitching to a five, by the way. And Bauer hasn't been great. And Archer had a couple of good starts in there before he got dealt last July. I'm not saying it's exactly the same thing, but that article posed a pretty difficult and dark dilemma where if the Yankees go and get him and he's not pitching great and the tw- and the uh, Indians, excuse me, really want to move him, are you looking at that kind of situation again? Who knows? He just might need a change of scenery. He might have just had been pitching to some bad luck. I haven't watched a lot of his starts this year. I just know his numbers aren't phenomenal. Stroman makes the most sense to me for all the reasons we've talked about together and with Phillips. He's under team control. He's got that moxie. He's got everything that the Yankees seem to like in the players they acquire these days. And I think that they would love to do a package deal where they also get a Ken Giles in return. Ken Giles has had a tremendous season in Toronto. He's been really good since Toronto got him last year in the Osuna trade. Seemed like he just needed out of Houston. You're not asking him to be your closer, but I think there's real concerns if if Batances is coming back. You add another top-tier arm to your bullpen. Whether you can get both of them, I don't know, but Stroman makes sense. And I still wouldn't be surprised if it's Mad Bum, man. 
Strowman, I would say, is for sure the guy I would bank on the most. And then it's a coin flip between Bauer and uh, and Mad Bum. I know they do love guys with with postseason success. We saw them get Hap last year. Battle tested, if you will. Well, I mean, I don't think you can use that analogy any more so than with a guy like Bumgarner. But yes, um, Strowman's not really. He's had some. He's had some postseason. Uh, starts because in 15 and 16 when he came up you know what man the usa baseball yeah big into that won the mvp man he's yep. nasty yep um how about right. you what gun to your head one two pitchers and whom i like well obviously wheeler's off the table because the yankees could offer a judge stanton the yankees could just they would just say you guys can be the yankees and we'll take back wheeler and the mets would turn them down true um i mean t- to be honest I don't really know who's out there aside from the guys that you just named. I don't know who's become available. What about a guy like a Robbie Ray from Arizona who they've had interest in in the past? Now, his velocity's down a little bit. Yeah. 11.7 Ks per nine this year. He's a ground ball machine as a lefty. Um, another guy from that team is Granky. That hasn't surfaced yet. That's been out there at various times. I would love Granky. Would you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it dep- I mean, listen, this is all... De- You're taking all- that contract back. It's fine. We got money to blow. Yeah. Because we didn't spend it on Machado, and we didn't spend it on Harper. Um, I mean, obviously, it's all contingent on what they give up for a guy like Greg. I don't think you'd have to give up much prospect-wise. I think it would be all about how much money you take and back in, 80, in 20. those years. It's a lot. I, it's, it's a, a lot. lot. It's not my money. No, I know. But I'll that's something some that the Yankees and Steinbrenner will be signing off on, and you bet damn well that they're going to consider that. Maybe Oakland has a guy that they're willing to give up. I think they've got a couple good starters out there. Another guy, um, the lefty in Seattle, Gonzalez, has looked pretty good lately too. I, I would like a guy like him. Stroman, for me, is a guy who I think is going to be in pinstripes by by the end of the trade deadline. I, would, I wouldn't mind a Ken Giles. We, we could use a little bit of crazy pitching in like the sixth inning, which would be which would be. Nuts, and then maybe they can offload a few of these guys, like um, I don't know, Holder. God, I hope so. Or or any of these Assessa. Well, let's not talk about those guys, those guys as far as yeah. I mean, that would be the ultimate offloading. They're just like those guys in fantasy where you're like they're too good to drop, but I really just want to stick them in a deal because they're I just don't like not how that they look good. on my bench. <laughs> but they're too good to drop because the stuff out there is not as good on the waiver wire. Like those are the guys that I. I finagle my way into a deal where I just sweet talk into, uh, I don't know, Mike Trout. Uh, I've made a Jesus. couple good well, fantasy All right, we'll get off the Shout out to Mike Phillips, the commissioner. Uh, let's stop talking about fantasy that nobody cares about. Give me your biggest story of the MLB in the first half before we wrap things up. Aside from the Yankees' injuries and being where they are? Yeah, I mean, come on. We talked about that the whole season. No, Let's I know. I, I just think that that is crazy. Yeah, no, I that mean, is huge. Um, you know... I'm going to do, it's going to be two-pronged. It's the Mets. It's, okay. it's Alonzo's greatness. We're going negative here. It's Alonzo's greatness that I feel so bad is being diminished by the shit team that he plays for. So there's your positive. And the negative is just everything that's happened. I mean, every move other than calling up Alonzo that Van Wagenen has made has been wrong. I never thought they'd be this bad. You never thought they'd be this bad. And I think that's a huge storyline. I guess right after that, maybe the fact that Machado and Harper both 
are not all-stars. Yep. Now, it's fan voting, so maybe you guys just didn't want to vote for them and they don't care. But that either of them are having the kind of seasons that we believe that they would. So, for me, it's 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 Alonzo's success and the Mets complete every single move. They're going to remove Diaz from the closer role. That's insane. Cano's wow. hitting 220. That's insane. Yep. Everyone else on that team, aside from... Um, I'm drawing a blank on the on the poor guy's name. The second base. McNeil. Yeah, McNeil and Alonzo has been a shit show. And DeGrom. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. But. Absolutely. All right, well, you took, of course, the two best stories. I shouldn't have let you go first. My story is, this one's a little bit smaller just because they're a small market team. I mean, one, the Tampa Bay Rays that are doing ha- trying to do half their season in Montreal, which is like, that's That's, that's a good nuts. story. Um, but the Tampa Bay Rays in general, just the team that they put together and the fact that they're showing, again, they reinvent the league and they're ahead of everyone and I, I just don't know how they do it. First, it's the crazy shifts. Then it's like the building the small market team up to a powerhouse more than the Oakland Athletics have done or more than the any of the other teams have done to where they went to a World Series in 2008. And now the opener. To the point where even the Yankees are using an opener. A team, we, if I told you that they were going to pitch a, a starter in inning four years ago, you would have told me I was nuts. Tampa Bay Rays did it last year just to try it out or whatever, just because they didn't have enough of the good starters. And now it's become a staple in what they do, aside from their Morton starts and Glass now before he was hurt, and obviously Blake Snell. Aside from that, they're running openers out there and. They they just amaze me at how successful they are on the budget and on the type of players that they get and just the way that entire team is run. Yes, I think that's a story that it can it's cyclical. Like it should I should I crack my fingers and dust off the keyboard? Should I write a little something? I don't know, man. I, I got to get back on it too. I mean, it's been it, it's awesome, and they called up that kid Brandon McKay who started against the Yankees. Also a DH. He's a two way player. Yeah, I was just saying. He's I, a I don't know why Otani. Otani. It was like, oh my god, he's gonna he's gonna do it both, and then this guy, it's like he's raking as well as as well as pitching incredibly and doesn't have all this elbow trouble and nobody talks about it. Nope, and uh, it's because they kind of like it like that. They don't want people talking about everything they're doing because they don't want to be poached. I mean, they they have two of the top, I think, 13 or 14 prospects in all of baseball still with all the young talent they brought up. It's incredible. They do everything right. I do want to say this because we didn't talk about it last week and we we could have, but it was just so NBA crazy and, you know, you had your rant. It was emotional. The Tyler Skaggs passing away, that was horribly depressing. Um, Very. What happened? The the family said that they're not going to release about what happened until after the season. I'm not going to speculate because I think it's incredibly disrespectful to do it. All I know is that it happened – Early in the morning uh, in Texas when the Angels were there for a series, um, it was on a Monday morning. Uh, he had just pitched on Saturday. It, those are the kind of things, man, where uh, the kid's 27, just got married back in the off season. He had been pitching very well, I think, to like a 3-6 something. Whatever happened, it'll come out at some point. Um, 
But in a, in a baseball season, that's been a lot of fun with a lot of cool stories that we've talked about. And, you know, we can shit talk the Mets and we can shit talk some other guys and talk about how certain players are overrated and don't deserve this. We look at them as immortals. They're they're tremendous athletes. I don't look at them as heroes. They're not heroes. They're human beings who are flawed like all of us. But they are they are here they are heroic athletes. They do things on a diamond that we can only dream of doing. We watch them play every day, we take advantage of it, and we see a guy at twenty seven, my age, for whatever reason his life ends and um that was just a really sad story, and, and you know, obviously, thoughts and prayers with that family and and the angels the rest of the way. That's tough, man. It really it really puts life into perspective, you know. This guy's just got married. He's got his whole life ahead of him. He's pitching really well, probably the best of his career, and you never know how many breaths he got left. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it for us. That about wraps it up. So, hope you guys enjoyed episode one hundred and one. Obviously, follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. On Instagram, sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, sorrysports.com. And if you have anything to say, nice, not so nice, whatever. How much did you like Tom's rant? Yes, sorry sports at yahoo.com. Everybody. Does he have another one in him at some point? Well, let's fucking hope not. Let's hope the Knicks stay quiet and the Jets too. All right, everybody, have a good night. Take care.